Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Greetings, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, we continue our conversation from last time about reincarnation. We move from the macro more to the micro and discuss how we set up incarnations in our self-interest for soul-level healing, how at the deepest level there's no victimhood at all in life whatsoever, the nature of karma in the context of reincarnation and self-forgiveness, and how as we unconsciously sow, we consciously reap. I know I say this a lot, but this was a particularly rich conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Also, a quick announcement, Eric Grace, who I've mentioned before, if you've been listening in order, is now leading Emotivity Circles. It's a bi-weekly group that uses emotive body ensoulment in the tradition of identity. For more information on that, visit Eric Grace, uh, sorry, eric-grace.com, E-R-I-C-grace.com. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings, listeners, and welcome forward to another exciting installment, which I can only say ironically, but also truthfully. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Hi, Stace. Hi. <laughs> greetings. 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 Uh, well, we're back here, and um, we're going to follow up with some questions that I had that I thought we should cover about consciousness and reincarnation, and you have some things as well that you saw that were Mm -hmm. um, worthy of discussing. Do you want to start with uh, what you had on your mind, or no? I'd asked? like to follow that up um, because your your questions are always so ins incisive, mm -hmm. uh, even when they're um, they're hard to put words to. And so I'd like to play off that today, if that's okay. In my questions are incisively ineffable. That's oh, nice. <laughs> oh, ineffably incisive. Yeah, like a like a really better. good cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to find a really good Cabernet. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Nice. But, yes. Oh, that's a whole other rabbit hole. So yes. <laughs> um, I don't know what the best, I've got a few things I wrote down here. I don't know what the best order is for them. Um, but uh, I think maybe I'll just start with the, the top one, uh, EBE, which uh, were uh, emotive body ensoulment. I think one of the things that's really remarkable about it is that as opposed to therapy that is focused on this life issues, and most therapeutic paradigms don't paradigmatically include past life issues or the spiritual in general. How does EBE process past life issues and how does that work? Oh, great question. Yeah, um, because um, identity holds in that something that can be self-verified over time, if you're curious enough, um, that based on the um, starting place that we're emotive beings before we are um, uh, willful beings, mental beings, or physical beings, means that being human is inherently spiritual in the sense that if everything, as all the teachers have said, and identity would, of course, would agree that uh, whatever divinity is or God, it, it's, it is love in some way that we cannot fathom, but it has a quality of love as its main signature um, bandwidth. And if that's the case, and we're all children of it, and since love is an emotive dynamic, not a mental or physical or a willful dynamic, 
Um, that means we're all emotive and love-based first uh, also. What this means is that as we explore local wounded emotions and help heal them into their, their healed correlate, a lot of times what will happen is a past life where a similar kind of wound was engendered um, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years ago is showing up this lifetime as part of what the soul who is doing EBE brought in to heal because it's been sitting there for a couple thousand years and never had the right uh, format to be recapitulated and healed. So uh, many times there's multi-dimensions to people's wounded emotional states just from this life that, that for sensitive people who have a gift of third eye, or even if they don't, the third eye of the facilitator, oftentimes we'll say, well, I'm getting a picture of you in this scenario that's very different than your present, your one from childhood this life, but it carries exactly the same theme. So um, they, they go hand in hand, and I, I, I would be hard pressed to say there ever was an EBE uh, a facilitant who didn't have past life issues come up consciously and thematically in their personhood work. Yeah. And then this is it's actually an enormous subject because it's um, it's so big, it's hard to get my my mind less, much less my mouth around right now. It's because what we're saying here is that we, we I don't know where to start. What we're saying here is that we choose to become human in order to work on issues. We bring forward past life issues. And that's a wholly different frame than we're here to have the experience of being human and there's some childhood wounds that you know get in the way of our happiness that have to be dealt with. It's a wholly different frame is that, that we've actually chosen our family, chosen our um, gender, our Enneagram type, our astrological sign, which I want to ask about the what we used to call the, the DMV of incarnational uh, <laughs> attribute ordering or whatever it is. Because yeah, let's we, do that. Yeah, we can't talk about all of what we're talking about without talking about that frame, which is a wholly different frame from strict non-dual, yes. which would say reincarnation, who cares? Well, you don't experience that, so forget it or a scientific-based uh, psychology that says this is your one life and you know why would you use your imagination to focus on anything else? We have a yeah. wholly different frame for that, which I think is particularly important. One thing that comes to mind is when people have a really difficult time moving an issue in themselves, Yes. I would guess it very often is because it's not just this life. And so it's, it's you know, they think it's a one pound rock they got to pick up and it's actually a 500 pound boulder. Yes, exactly right. And that's, we have all the depthful um, space to treat that directly. When we have um, a past life issue that is really compelling, Joseph, we even have a category, we call it a para persona. Hmm. Uh, a para-persona of the local uh, personality version of the soul that is uh, doing the EBE at that moment is uh, uh, maybe it's recalcitrant. It's been uh, layered over with coping mechanisms for a thousand years, but um, something compelling in the present life triggers it up. And there's the para-persona right there. And so and it has to, right? There has to be a this life trigger in yes. order to bring it forward. It won't just come forward on its own. No, no. And that's exactly uh, what I meant. Uh, another dimension to the incarnational imperative plan that we all make ahead of time. 
we garner up a certain segment of our soul history unhealed issues and bring them forward to be recapitulated and triggered in the present life. And a good metaphor for that is uh, what a, a real vaccine, a good vaccine is supposed to do is a, a lot. <laughs> what we uh, used to call vaccines. <laughs> what we used to call vaccines, yes. Um, you know, Jonas Salk and, uh, and, the, and the boys, uh, uh, where a, a piece, a small segment of a live virus is injected in to cause a, a, a physical body immune response to it, to help, help ward off uh, future exposures. Same principle here. Um, uh, what we do is we bring forward the live virus of an unhealed issue from another life, oftentimes, which has a whole pers uh, uh, persona to it. Uh, and when introduced to a, a facilitant, they, they'll get their own story and begin to pouring this out and they don't know where it's coming from. No need to do a past life regression, in other words. The, the uh, EBE process includes past lives because that's how the system works. We bring forward on purpose. Um, I, I had a past life as a priest uh, in uh, the French Revolution and I helped, I helped the, um, the uh, resistance and uh, I died that life um, uh, with a cannonball coming through the church wall. I was a priest and, wow. and, and getting a can cannonball right, right in the middle of my torso. It didn't blow a hole and, and blow me apart. It pushed me back into a wall where I was crushed to death uh, from mm. the impact. Uh, and that explained why whenever there were cannon blasts, uh, when I was a kid, uh, um, I would run for cover and I didn't uh -huh. know why. Right. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things can come up really directly because we we factor them in. Mm -hmm. We choose families very carefully and dynamical probabilities that are all playoutable in divine beings, supercomputer, if you want to use a, a, a silly metaphor, um, that matches up um, the uh, soul experience of parents with the soul experience of a child's uh, being wanted to be bored to that family. And uh, so that it's calibrated so that there are triggers for these past life issues. We can say we're not done healing at all. Uh, if, if, unless we find a, find in some way some exposure of past life issues coming forward, it, it is possible that we might stay all local on an EBE track uh, and confident that if it's working really well without a lot of hiccups, that we are handling all the past life front load that came in with the issues. But uh, it's really, this is a great question because there's no separate past life regression stuff that's half hypnosis and half suggestion, mm -hmm. which causes all sorts of projections and inaccuracies in a person's journey. When you have the emotivity as the algorithm of exposure, you there's very little distortion uh, either in denying the past life or in overindulging it and maybe adorning it with some extra positives. Because you're going through the door of soul rather than through the mind or the local personality. So it's like in one way we could say EBE is therapy for the soul, which yes. makes it automatically spiritual. But exactly. the, the reason many therapeutic modalities would not get to past life issues is because they're not going through the door of soul. They're dealing with, they're going through a, a mind mediated uh, frame and looking at this life only. So it doesn't invite the soul themes forward. Exactly. Uh, all of our therapy now is either based on, um, uh, uh, I think, therefore I am, I have a body, therefore I am, 
or I am energy, therefore I am. Mm. All of those are downstream to emotivity and identity's uh, uh, um, offering. So none of them are going to be uh, free of distortion, projection, or rejection um, because we're bypassing the mind here and going for feeling-based reality, which points to, um, uh, and that's why we call it ensoulment instead of uh, emotional body enlightenment. Uh, It's an emotional body ensoulment where we bring our wounds forward from other lives and um, uh, triggered up by our present situation and we're off to the races and healing. I want to share personally, I've talked before about my my father in previous podcasts. So here's a great example. If you've been listening to the podcast in order, this will make sense to you. <laughs> if you've been breaking the rules, then you'll be lost. But um, no, I'll, I'll recap. So um, when I started what is now EBE, uh, I was very much past life agnostic, leaning toward the cynical and probably disbelieving it. Uh, and it was through the process of the work that I started to actually experience um, past life memories. And um, now some of my past life memories look a lot like my this life memories. They, 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 they look kind of similar, which is an eerie kind of feeling. And it, through the work, um, as you well know, I discovered a past life in which um, uh, my father died before he was uh, before I was born. Yes. And um, that was sort of correlated to the very absent ghost-like father I had. And we framed that as like, this was to recapitulate some of that abandonment sort of orphan theme because that in that life I was kind of semi an orphan. And then years yes. later, I would discover that actually my father wasn't even my father, that I was sperm donor conceived. That's to me under the, the uh, category of you can't make this shit up. Yes. So as a soul, I Mm -hmm. intuit that I chose for that to happen. Yes. Maybe that's a good foray into how on earth does that happen? And how does it work? Why do we do that? What are what's that process look like? It's um, it's a proactive, courageous um, acknowledgement that um, here's what I went through. I had, did not have a chance to resolve this particular emotive-based issue that also could have involved impacts on others and, uh, and also a whole scenario. Um, and uh, uh, for a soul to say, I want to re-experience this in some way in a compelling present life scenario that may or may not take me back to there, may or may not, but I want to heal this so badly that I want to re-experience the trauma that I either was subjected to or that I caused in another lifetime. And I want it to, I want it put right, right into my face. Um, I want it to uh, uh, hinder my life to such a degree mm-hmm. that I seek help for it. That's the point of it. And, uh, and so the way that works is we literally choose, we, we upload, if I can use it that way, upload past life thematic perpetrations or victimhoods and 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 sometimes in things in between into our our incarnational imperative to be triggered by the vagaries and wound bases and def- defenses of our parents so it becomes part of our life melded into this life what what was unresolved before so when that when that happens um, uh, it can be really overwhelmingly difficult uh, but that's why we try to help at the at the person's pace 
Um, we don't uh, upfront diagnose a ton of past life issues and how they correlate. We wait for yeah. them to emerge mostly, uh, and then we can work with them. So, uh, uh, but again, because it's emotion, it's based in emotivity, the whole Dharma has way less uh, compensatory self-imagic projections on, on, um, on past lives. Uh, not everyone were famous people. I myself have had hundreds of completely nondescript lives where I was learning the ropes of what it means to be human, right? So, uh, but occasionally there are people who come into our picture who um, uh, uh, were people who were, that we're still talking about in some way. And uh, I have a, a really compelling example of it. I, I, confidentiality prohibits me from saying who, but um, uh, I can tell you that um, a, a diagnosis of a past life issue uh, came way before this person um, sought any sort of help. And that was, uh, uh, I happened to have the honor of meeting the reincarnation of Jiddu Krishnamurti. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it explained, uh, when I reflected it to this person, uh, the person was astonished, but not uh -huh. in, some, in some way. And uh, it informed so much of this person's world that it became utterly impossible for this person to not to, to, to deny its strong possibility. Um, and this is a famous person, of course. Uh, uh, and so that, that what that person came to, to heal this life um, was that uh, uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti never really um, learned how to integrate the human with his enlightenment, um, uh, proven by the fact that he, he, had, he had a lover for almost 40 years from people's um, awareness. Uh, um, so uh, that there's a rare example where sometimes a person will come preloaded with a, a past life um, issue, and uh, that will inform uh, the track we start with. But that's the exception rather than you, the rule. You can imagine working with such a person's, say, romantic relationship issues would be far more complicated by that past life, right? Exactly right. Because the enlightenment of Jiddu carried forward as a, as a, in the soul field of the present uh, incarnation, uh, uh, albeit in a very different form and expression, but it was still there and you could sense it. Those of us who, who know what that pre-dual, non-dual, not landscape and, and its ramifications when it finds you, um, you, 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 this person needed another uh, facilitator. In that case, it was me way, way back when in the day. Uh, who knew what it was like to endure the ramifications of non-dual, pre-dual enlightenment. Yeah, I, I remember meeting that person and uh, their eyes pierced through my soul like lasers. I, I, that's not yes. an experience I'll soon forget. Yes, uh, we, we had a falling out, that person and I, uh, for some not unreasonable, but not very reasonable um, reasons. And uh, um, that person threw that diagnosis, the baby out with the bathwater that Stace was just some wacko. And um, uh, I found out later, really interestingly, that uh, this person went to another psychic at one point, way years later. And the psychic said immediately, as soon as this person walked in the door, my God, you're the reincarnation of Jiddu Krishna. <laughs> you 
kidding so, me. So, um, <laughs> no, I swear. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, that that and then she couldn't throw all of the baby out with the bathwater mm. about uh, her experience with me. So. Well, I understand. I got a, a, a diagnosis uh, from you once that I tried to throw out uh, with some bathwater, <laughs> and I spent six or seven years trying to shake it oh. and was unsuccessful. And that's uh, related to that, we would say um, uh, similar. I don't think we, we didn't talk much about soul species yet here, but we did in the clubhouse presentation. We were talking about angel souls and how everybody right. wants to be an angel soul, except for the people who actually are. And in the same way, everybody wants to have a famous past life, except for the people who actually had one. Because, yes. Uh, the, the amount of baggage that that uh, ends up uh, saddling you with is not something you would choose. No, imagine... Um uh how uh, uh, it was uh, uh, told that uh, the buddha um was able to walk uh, uh, 10 minutes after birth and as he walked away from his mother lotus blossoms um you know blossomed under his feet as he walked and uh, elephants bowed and snakes uh, covered them from the rain and at any way sounds kind uh, of like kind of what's said about whoever the current leader of north korea is uh, yeah wow yeah that's right <laughs> Uh, and of course, uh, what people don't talk about in terms of baggage is that he abandoned yeah. his his newborn son and his wife uh, uh, to go to heal suffering in the world, uh, not realizing at the time how disembodied he was from his humanity, uh, that uh, the suffering that he caused uh, his son and his wife and just walking out not proudly and not with a reason that, 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 that he tried to negotiate with them in the middle of the night, mm. like a thief leaving. Now that doesn't doesn't in any way undermine Gotama's uh, or Siddhartha's um, seminal contribution to mm -hmm. the evolution of consciousness. But there's always a backstory baggage to every yeah. famous person. Uh, talk to people who actually work for Mother Teresa. God bless mm. her with all the good work she did in the activism for the poor and the suffering. Yes. And did she have a ton of personal issues? Of course she did. I've heard the um, same about Oprah. Oh my God. Uh, that part of that is probably from my story about Oprah. Yes, uh, that, but I also met a guy, Oprah, as you may know, owns a lot of land here on Maui and has been snapping up contiguous pieces as much as she can, you know, paying, just buying people out. And uh, I had a friend for a while who was a carpenter working on a 16,000 square foot building yeah. that she was having built. built. And yes. uh, yeah, um, a lovely person on the screen and uh, not a very nice person to her workers. Would skip over opportunities to say hello to people and apparently yes. uh, would have, you know, spend thousands of dollars just to move like a light switch one inch to the left, which is yes. pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I live in an area near where she lives now, her main home in Montecito. Oh, right. And, uh, and these, uh, these stories about, you know, she's a, she was a, psycho spiritual teacher for the masses yeah um, and you got to hand it to her um, she got really young souls uh, just getting used to earth life interested in deeper things than internet influencing and um, uh, uh, designing derivatives uh, in the financial sector to uh, dupe investors and uh, and buyers of the derivatives so uh there's always um, uh, some downside to famous people uh, and uh, famous past live people. So as you said, it's very compelling. Uh, 
you, if you knew what really happened in the life of Yeshua or Gotama or Oprah or whatever, you would never want to be them because you'd be very embarrassed by what you missed, how deeply you missed stuff. And all those people missed something really deeply uh, from identity's point of view. And then they're because they're in leadership positions, they have powerful influences and their issues, which everybody has, basically get blown up and spilled out over the planet. They have, uh, you know, what's the the Voltaire slash Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's that's a price that has to be paid. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, you, you don't, uh, you can't um, uh, have it both ways. You can't uh, get to where you're going um, and have the um, downsides to what it took for you to get there or what you did with it once you got it to follow you. And it's those kinds of things that get repressed under the successes and under the achievements and under the attainments that uh, gets, gets, has to get forwarded to a present life as so many souls have been waiting finally for some kind of therapeutic remedy that involves spirituality directly directly, not as a side or simply a context. So um, this is why we've drawn a lot of angel souls, uh, uh, because they're, they have, they're not served adequately by most models of uh, standard psychotherapy, or even some of the um, hybrids, uh, modern day hybrids. So uh, what, what actually happens before we incarnate it? You've said before, we usually set up a few lives in advance um, what does that planning um, process actually look like? Oh, good question. Again, some people, not, not everyone, uh, sets up an arc of lives, three to seven lives ahead of time to gradually work um, a really deep-seated issue that the soul has been burdened with for a, a thousand years or more. Um, and what they'll do is, is arrange, uh, pre-arrange as best as possible a set of parents and uh, countries and parts of countries that will specifically re recapitulate uh, the themes of that wound. Uh, but that's that's not, I would say, 40% of my memory experience do that. 60, it's just one at a time or, or two at a time, mostly that they do. Right. And what they do is uh, uh, what happens is a soul um, gets a ton of input from their guides, from uh, all sorts of echelons of divine being that they have access to. By the way, when you die, all of a sudden you don't get all of God and all of its wisdom and all of its dimensions. Um, you get what you're able to get with the consciousness, uh, our, uh, our consciousness frame you're in right now. So I could die at the same moment as someone else. And the, my version of what I experience after death is going to be very different than the other person's experience of after death. It's not homogeneous, even though there are basic common uh, uh, over overlays uh, for everyone, like a feeling of liberation and love everywhere and connection to everything, but uh, very different experiences. So well, what after they get together with their guides, uh, some soul family members and some heavy duty divine um, guidance, uh, it takes about, um, I, and I use this metaphorically, uh, 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 there's a, there's a, um, what's the word, uh, a, a, like a duct work <laughs> from mm -hmm. when you're purely in spirit to get to the, uh, uh, to the human, you go into a, um, a tunnel, you could say, or a funnel, and that, uh, lasts about six months earth time. Um, so 
for six months before a child is conceived, um, they, their soul has been slowly decompressing to be able to um, uh, meet uh, that moment when conception will likely take place. A lot of times they're waiting. In six the months soul prior to conception. Prior to conception, uh -huh. they enter that funnel. Uh -huh. But then they usually arrive, uh, sometimes they arrive a little late and they've got to do the second uh, uh, intercourse to get to get conceived uh, or or um, they because they, they missed the first one or they wait a while uh, in the mother's soul field, which a good psychic can pick up. Hey, you've got mm -hmm. a baby to be born here. That's the uh, that's part of the shine that pregnant women have. There's an extra soul in the field, right? Yeah, absolutely right. And that's why doctors who are sensitive and others who are sensitive can see a woman as pregnant before a woman can. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's that extra brightness from that mm -hmm. extra soul in there. So what happens is at, at conception, and I'd like to talk a bit about abortion a little more than I mentioned at the end last time. Okay. Uh, but they, uh, uh, at, at that moment, the soul extends a little, like a, a little finger into the uh, a sperm and egg uh, um, uh, uh, first gamete uh, uh, deal, and then begins, owns that gamete, owns the sperm and the egg coming together, owns it, and then begins to do with it what it needs to do to bring up uh, some physical forms at first um, uh, uh, that, that are needed. For example, a healing uh, lifetime might entail cerebral palsy or Down syndrome, or um, anencephaly, uh, um, something that um, is, we would all say is a tragedy, but which was chosen by the soul for very specific reasons. And then so that as that little finger um, and souls that gamete more and more and more and more, uh, the, uh, the whole soul uh, gets absorbed um, uh, uh, to, to the place where it's completely surrounding the uh, embryo, um, just like uh, the, its fractal, the amniotic uh, sac is is um, the soul that, moves from being hanging out in the soul field of the mother to yes, surrounding yes. the the body. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Yes. Um, so that's the, that's basically the process of it. Um, uh, it. It's all intentional, almost always. Although there are those brave souls, I've done it a few times. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> highly because you never know what you're going to get. You just dial, you say, you don't put any plan out at all. And you say, I trust you guides, uh, give me something that'll get me along, but I, uh, uh, the, my, my healing track, but I, I, I don't want to know what it is. I want to come fresh. The right? dice rollers. The dice rollers. Right. And of course, uh, if you, uh, if you had it in your mind that you needed, oh, so badly to be the perfect specimen of man or woman to work through insecure issues. You just got to have that, that uh, really Adonis or, or um, amazing, beautiful woman or man body so that you can confront how value, um, inner value becomes so secondary to outer value with people worshiping you because you're so beautiful or smart or whatever, only to find out you're born, um, you're born a, uh, if you were a man or you, and you thought you should, you've earned your Adonis uh, lifetime, uh, you're born as a, um, uh, a person who has got um, obese genes, a woman in Caracas uh, who lives in the poorest part of Venezuela. Uh, That's so, sort of the truth uh, to the being reincarnated as a cockroach idea. It's not exactly. as a punishment, but as a necessary learning step. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. So 
when you think <laughs> it might be exactly the opposite to learn the value of a real bottom up human self-worth, you can't handle uh, something where you're going to be a famous person or an actor or so good looking, you're a model. Um, it all depends on what you decide to do. Yeah. So there's a, a couple of things I want to say here. One is um, I, I think it's been very much implicit here, but I want to make it explicit. The profound um, uh, impact on the idea of victimhood here. Because mm -hmm. while we talk about how we're victims as children, and we've mm -hmm. talked about how adults are not victims, this is a third and most upstream frame for it. Because if we choose our childhood and we choose our parents and we choose our attributes, even the things that as adults yes. we can't change, yes, it means mm -hmm. we're not a victim to anything. Yes. In the most meta context. That's Cerebral right. palsy, uh, poverty-stricken yes. childhood, physical or sexual abuse. In the most meta context, we chose all of these things. All of them. That's an incredibly challenging frame even for me to take on, and I've been mulling on it for like 15 years. So it's a, it's a challenging aspect of the paradigm. Yeah, because so much identity is, well, if only I'd been born to rich parents, or if only I, yeah. I, I didn't have the big nose that I have that my mother used to say, <laughs> looks like a green pepper on my face. Oh, uh, God. Uh, um, not jokingly. I um, believe you. Uh, uh, and so th if you get that meta context of absolutely no victimhood, even when you wrote a dice roller, uh, incarnative dice roller, you still chose to let the system take over. So you're not a victim. That's, mm -hmm. that's the imprint that, that, that the fractals of which are exposed as, um, uh, uh, not not bona fide when later we act out victimhood because the original meta context is seeded with not one shred of victimhood so nothing that happens to us if i walk out into the into the into um, the busy street uh, looking the other way and a drunk driver kills me my contribution was i was looking the other way uh, uh not just because i was innocent and a drunk uh, uh, um, uh driver killed me uh, we all have input in the most banal ways to everything that happens to us. Uh, we don't cause it, but we are part of its contribution in such a way that we can never be full victims of anything. Yeah, this is a, it's a all complete, seated, seated. It's a completely different existential frame because it really means we're we're active participants with reality. Yes. at like the level of causality, not at just as hapless bystanders of things happening to us. Exactly right. And here's something that would utterly change the human experience, right, mm -hmm. Joseph? If this became uh, pandemically spread, if this mm -hmm. idea became pandemically spread, because it, would inf it forms everything down to the smallest details of our lives where we are co-creators of life. When you hear someone say, I co-create my own reality. Well, you can have a belly laugh or you can shed a tear for this poor person. Everything is co-created. We do not choose our life or have our life in a vacuum. Everything is co-created by your influences and, and our connections with others and all the energies involved with that. No one creates their own reality by themselves. What we do, co what we do create is our response to our reality. Mm -hmm. We don't create our rea own realities. It's a, it's a worldwide thing. 
we but we do create our responses to our realities and that and you, that's a tragic error yeah and you you used to i wonder if you would still uh hold this you used to say um, one way of defining our protection mechanisms is they are our reactions to our reactions you yes Yes, that's right. That's right. The, our protection will rise because there's a primary reaction of pain or anxiety or rage or depression or shame to what happens to us. And the protection is a reaction to that reaction. It says, oh, no, here, I don't want you to feel that uh, rest of my soul. It hurts too much. So I'm going to cover you up and protect you. And that becomes the shadow. And that's why another thing with EBE is that we completely redefine uh, the shadow is not something to get rid of. It's something to be embraced and, and, and brought along the journey with us. It, if we heal it, it's not about making it bad. It's about realizing it had good reason to form in the first place. Mm. So again, no victim to even our shadows. Our shadows are our own souls contracting in protection of some reaction painful reaction we've had to some life experience which we co-created by choosing the life experience or at least the the the, the parameters of it in the first place exactly. so that means we choose the elements of ourselves and the elements of our experience to produce our own shadows in very specific ways precisely accurate according to identity so that we can outwork those shadow issues, which, wow. That's right. Now, we have to make one distinction for soul age here, though, Joseph. Um, the first 50 or 80 soul uh, lifetimes here, we don't have a clue on what we should choose, right? <laughs> and so, so guides to Kind of like us, the first 20 years of any uh, adult, uh, any go. individual's yeah. life, yeah. Exactly. There's a fractal of it. Um, and guides uh, 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 will guide us into certain scenarios to begin the process and we have no clue what to do with that. When we talk about we're fully chosen in to our dynamics and there's no victimhood, um, applies to 150 lives and more here on the last 130,000 years. And so uh, younger souls, they agree to have their setup done by, uh, by, uh, by guides. Um, and they're informed of that a lot of times ahead of time. So the, their agreement in that is they trust the guides to give them wise beginnings to the very challenging uh, experience of life and earth. So even there, there's, there's not much room for victimhood because they agree to the whole process. In other what words, are, we, we pre-exist, not only post-exist, like the religions say, we pre-exist our birth, not just post-exist our death. Hmm. That's another whole mm -hmm. meta context for everything we're saying. It's an assumption, which I just realized we never said. Uh, yeah. we, uh, different than religions, we pre-exist uh, our birth, uh, not just post-exist our death. Yeah, and, that it, and of course that changes everything. It's hard to conceive of if you don't have uh, a sense of your own soul's journey, but it's a very yes. different frame to start uh, if starting with, uh, I've got one life and it's beginning and it's going to have an end rather than that's in the middle yeah. of a thousand lives and some of them yes. have happened and some of them haven't. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, it, it makes me think that people might wonder like, well, what are, what am I doing then as a soul? What are common soul themes? And we've talked about the three fears. That's the, in the most meta identity mm -hmm. says we're working on the fear of being fear of not being and the fear of non-being. 
but what's uh-huh. like one level down from that? What what are the typical incarnational imperatives and uh, shadow themes that you see people working on? The, um, the first and foremost is learning uh, uh, the difference between will and love. Mm. Um, that's the most contextual downstream of the three soul fears that happen at soul birth, not the birth of every each life. Uh, uh, the birth of soul included these three um, uh, contractions of being. But um, primarily, the first um, theme to learn or begin to learn, uh, begin to want to configure the healing of is the difference between will and love as a primary driver of our human experience. We, we live in a com- almost completely uh, suffu- will-first suffused mode uh, in our world. We will our way through survival. We will our way to what we call thrival. Um, and we shoehorn love uh, as a secondary, oh yeah, and um, whatever. Uh, uh, um, and, and when it's structurally the opposite, that we are primarily, um, divine being is primarily made of love and only secondarily um, expresses that love through will. Uh, as opposed to those who who actually believe the original uh, Old Testament Jewish uh, religion, basically they were they were posturing um, a divine being, a God who was willful first and only secondarily expressed the willfulness lovingly, because half the time it wasn't lovingly; it was punishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that God needs needs to learn that it's the other way around. It was a false God all along. They did get right, of course, the main religions, that there is a divine being, a self-aware divine being. Um, uh, But uh, they got all of its attributes and expressions and relationships to humans egregiously wrong. So So. that's number one. Is there a number two and three? Um, Yeah. Once you start uh, uh, um, getting crushed between, or I'll say it the other way around, getting pulled Mm. uh, in two different directions by will and love, eventually in between in the fourth chakra, you get start to get experience of the ramifications of doing all of one or all of another, uh, all love or all will. And then eventually all these strategies that we have to learn to survive, get in the way where we have to use will to survive, but have to let go of will if we actually want to emotively, maturely thrive. And that's it's not something, that principle has not been out there in our world at all. Uh, that uh, will is uh, mandatory uh, for survival, uh, but thrival, people think that we have to keep using our will to thrive. And that's why the world is drowning in financial greed, corporate corruption, governmental mischief, um, and all this crap uh, in our in a, on all of our domains of being. It's a will-run world, which is why uh, we've had to, um, we've, we've, had, we've not learned yet as a planet, as a as a, um, a planet to base our, our incarnational experience and love first. I was so. talking with some uh, people recently about uh, the will versus love thing and um, specifically about the will to manifest. Yes. And mm-hmm. a, a metaphor came to me that um, the use of will is sort of like you want to dig a well to have and, you know, for all purposes, infinite amount of water and you get like 10 feet down and you don't get to water, but you take a bucket and fill the well up by hand, you know, once a day. And so it uh-huh. appears that there's water in this hole that you can drink from, <laughs> but you've actually given yourself a job. You have to top it off all the time. 
Um, So from from 50 feet away, it could look like, oh, this person has access to a well of water, but actually what they have is a job. And what we're really looking for is an effortless uh, font of um, soulfulness that will give us energy rather than having to mentally and willfully uh, push through it, which is basically what we're conditioned to do. Absolutely. A great metaphor, Joseph. Uh, Another one that just comes to mind now, we use this metaphor in a lot of different scenarios, but uh, the soulful way to manifest thrivability or wealth, if you want to say, or inner well-being or whatever, you have to willfully in some way um, choose to unplug will. You have to use will to unplug will. And that's like dropping a stone in a still pond. Uh, and then, at, then, then you wait for the the um, the waves that come out from that dropping that big stone in the in the pond to hit shore and then come back to you, uh-huh. right? Uh, there's a surrender after you use will to unplug will to draw uh, not only survive um, um, thriveability, but you know the real hardcore folks uh, they 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 even um, uh, unplug will for survivability. Uh, those are the ones that ultimately trust divine being in everything. And if you do that too soon in your as an ideal in your soul experience, you're going to drown from that. That's why I said um, the secondary playouts are how do I healthily balance love and will? And love involves trust of divinity and will says only trust in me. Um, so that 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 is attraction in the fourth chakra that has to be exercised to get toned. So you've got dozens, if not um, uh, uh, tens of dozens of lifetimes to just figure out the basics of will versus love uh, in their playouts of everyday life. So are you saying that everyone or maybe most people have to hone their will significantly before they learn to um, put it secondary to love? Or do some people go skip over that? Well, um, there's actually an easy way to answer that question, even though it's a very complex question. And that is, ask yourself how people who were, let's make a, 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 an image. A person has chosen to let love drive every decision they make right from birth. Okay, that's, that's what they set up to do. What's, how long will that that uh, person survive emotionally or physically? Oh, right, yeah, with the they couldn't survive their childhood. Correct. It mm. would they would die of a broken heart uh, mm. in some way if there wasn't a will based self protection that uh-huh. got that kicked in. It's just the world as it is. It's not the ideal, um, but we're we're basically in um, in in um, uh, a seventh and eighth grade level consciousness quotient on this planet. Mm. Uh, the preponderance of people are young are young souls and learning their lessons exactly as they should um, in many ways. But uh, the uh, most people are just, the, the majority of people who are successful in life or become notor- have notoriety or wealth or become an internet idol, um, these people uh, uh, are just uh, teenagers who got older emotional teenagers that got older. Look mm-hmm. at look at Putin and um, uh, and uh, most uh, uh, Trump is a, of course a perfect example more in line with Putin. Um, uh, these are just teenagers who never grew up emotionally. They have no care they, they don't have any empathy for their impact on others. They're sociopathically, if not psychopathically um, endowed with a me 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 greed of power, wealth or notoriety. 
Um, these, these are teenage. The teenagers of this planet are ruling the tweens and the children of this planet. That's the way identity sees it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a terrible, terrible evolutionary phase that we're now seeing productively and non-productively falling apart in front of our very eyes. Yeah, and another sort of sequela from um, for what we've been talking about is that that means that people who are, like you said, extremely successful, extremely wealthy, extremely, extremely famous, while the average person looks to those people as, well, that's like the pinnacle. I want that and I suffer because I don't have that. If you just right. scratch the surface of those people's lives, it's not hard to see that they very often, it seems, need that kind of uh, wealth and notoriety to work the issues that they're working. I, exactly. I know someone who works for a billionaire whose name people uh, would have heard, would, would, would know if I mentioned it. But uh, uh, And this billionaire, um, he tells me uh, when uh, he never drives him, himself wherever he is, he's got a driver, but if he's stuck in traffic, from the back seat would start like throwing a tantrum and start kicking the seat in front of him because he's mm. so frustrated. And uh -huh. imagine someone worth five, 10, 15, $20 billion who has like that, that much power, that influence, but is that triggered, triggerable by something as basic as traffic? It, it's, um, it, it just makes me think like, um, you know, uh -huh. it, it must be really painful to be him and to see uh -huh. he's got that much power, but still can be made to feel that powerless. That must be maddening. Well, and, and uh, wow, really well said and uh, a real life example on top of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that means if, if he is triggered to that degree by something he can't control, yes. all of his world is control mediated, yeah. not genuinely um, uh, open to life informing him of what his next steps are. There's no, there's no cosmic um, uh, uh, meta context, only his will and only his will to control his circumstances. That, that's the only explanation for throwing a baby boy uh, tantrum in the backseat of his limo. Yeah, and it's it's um, yeah, it's stunning to think that um, that people need that level of success and wealth because their control gets blown up like a balloon, expanded, expanded, expanded. So they have more and more control, and yet it never really satisfies them, and then backlights the uh, the the ultimate um, failure of control, which is the dead ending of a paradigm, dead ending of will. And some Absolutely. people need that. Yep, that to let they need to dead end in the whole lifetime as in a quote unquote failure in mm. some ways to learn that. But you know, it's just, it just occurred to me, Joseph, wow, you know, look at, look at all the domains that a, a, a topic of reincarnation um, yeah. affects and illuminates. I just would like just a moment here to say that um, what we just said uh, uh, is in the context of reincarnatability in the whole system, that that the the preponderance of the planet uh, is populated by uh, ch children's souls and teenage souls, um, and that uh, they're going through exactly what they're what they need. But identity can't really reach most of those people because either they're too young to ask the right questions about themselves mm. or they're too stuck in teenage will to be curious about other ways of living life than the way they were conditioned to do life, yeah. which is why we unabashedly say um, I, I invented identity for souls that have been around the block enough to be at, at point 
with curiosity on how spiritual contexts impact human life. And that's a that's a very small percentage of the planet, maybe three percent, five percent of the planet. That's what identity is planting seeds for, and, and working out all its dharmas about that. Uh, again, as we said so many times, it's not elitism. It's just serving an underserved demographic, the older soul, the one who's been around the block, and an older soul is no better than a younger soul. Uh, blah 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 blah. Same way, a rich person is no better than a poor person. It makes exactly. me think of, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit, I took an interest in the Johnny Depp uh, Amber Heard trial uh, mm-hmm. a while back. And it was fa- the most fascinating thing to me was listening to the recordings of yeah. act- their actual relationship conversations <laughs> and battles. And it was like, <laughs> I mean, talk about sloshing in your, an ankle deep in, in depth of, uh, of reality, <laughs> to, I mean, how. How hackneyed and banal and ir- immature their whole relationship. Yeah, and these are people with you know millions of dollars, a, a depth of far far more. Um, but to just like I, I found myself marveling at how surprised I was at how immature they were. Like yeah. you know, you read the attorney, you hear the attorneys reading the text messages going back and forth, and it's like yes. this could this could be two sixteen year olds talking. Exactly. And we get this idea like, oh, well, because they're successful and have all this money, surely they must have a certain level of maturity. And it's actually very often the opposite, (laughs) which I'm naive, I guess. I don't know why that surprised me in that way. But yeah, exactly right. And uh, that that is not only the case with most um, famous people in in the domain of entertainment, Mm -hmm. but in politics, politics even even more. Yeah, uh, 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 an older soul. Ninety-nine percent of people who get into um, legislative or governmental um, uh, 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 political um, arenas just want power and prestige and money. Power, prestige, and money. So, Did you hear the recording from the the councilwoman, the California councilwoman? You're in California, so this is like national news, but uh, just broke in the last couple of days. There was a a year old. Uh, voice uh, recording was released of a handful of council people making allegedly very racist remarks and the councilwoman has already resigned and it's like they weren't like maliciously racist remarks in my opinion it was just sort of uncaring sloppy dialogue that was Uh like it wasn't not racist but it wasn't like malevolently so either it was just the people revealing their teenage consciousness yeah we're supposed to be leaders right and that's that's the neopathology of it all is that yeah. how can you fault a teenager for fucking up sorry but <laughs> yes, um, right. and yet they fuck up at a way that it affects down line like dominoes the 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 non one percent yeah. or the non five percent of the world the power that they have to legislate and be paid off that as we said in our other um one of our other podcasts legal bribery and PACs, PACs and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and pharma and uh, the NRA and the pharma, big pharma mm-hmm. uh, bribing senators and, uh, and, um, and representatives in this country. It's all teenage activity. So you can say, well, we live in a teenage world, but when a woman can't get an abortion after being raped, mm-hmm. uh, these legislators are, are ruining people's lives in many ways, whether it's a passive kind of unfunny racist remark or specific religious driven agenda. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just all teenage activity, and that's to keep our place here in in uh, reincarnation. Um, uh, uh, this is how the only with a context uh, informed by the reincarnation reality of things can we see a whole other level of uh, emoto spiritual maturity slash immaturity rate range. And uh, it's tilted way in the, um, uh, uh, to the degree of the emotively immature. So uh, whether that emotional immaturity is because they're young souls or older souls who use will instead of love to drive their lives with no care about the afterlife or the, the remunerations uh, and, and ramifications of karma, which I'd like to say a little bit more about. Please, too. yeah, let's talk about karma. Um, we we so did one episode on karma a while back. I we did. We touched on it. There's a couple other dimensions to it, though, um, I'd like to um, uh, include. And first, uh, I just want to say something that somebody once asked me, what's the, what is the meta um, context for reincarnation in identity's point of view not how it works to you know create equality and um and atonement and all that and uh, and my answer was that um that uh, just like uh we have to heal our local emotional body issues from our shadow and our all of our wounds we have to and the wounds have to be healed in the same domain in which they were engendered meaning all of our wounds happened in relationship to our parents, our peers, our brothers, our sisters, our uncles, our families, our cultures. Um, so uh, uh, it was the, all the wounds happened in a relatedness frame, which means healing has to happen in a relatedness frame. Um, and a person cannot do psychotherapy by themselves, can't do self-improvement by themselves. They'll hit dead ends and maybe wander around those dead ends thinking, um, they're they're growing and they're not. Uh, you can circle. Let's say you have a ten thousand foot mountain. You can circle at seven thousand. Circle around the mountain endlessly at seven thousand feet, and each time get a different viewpoint of oh, there's that, and oh, I'm learning something here. But never never climb an altitude. So that in the same way. Yeah, I've, I want to say I've met people like that, and the phrase I use to describe them is they're spiritually and emotionally book smart. Oh yeah, nicely. It's oh. like they can say all of the words, and then when things get tight or uncomfortable, it's like yeah. the mental body embodiment of what they know becomes totally apparent because yeah. the uh, immature emotional motives come through and cause them to behave in ways that don't fit the map that they have for oh, yes. what a mature person is it just because they never had anyone challenging them relationally. Exactly right. And so uh, in that sense, since you can't do your own growth alone, except through insight and will, um, it's the same principle that drives reincarnation. If you, if you start incarnating here uh, and you start getting creating wound patterns and themes in your life, you have to keep coming back here. You, you, they have to be healed in the same earthen domain in which they were engendered. And that's the driving meta context for reincarnation. Thank God we have a divine being that saw we its children would need. Um, but hold hundreds. on a second. If our soul wounds were our, our deepest, the, the, the three fears, the uh, fear of being, fear of not being, and uh, fear of non-being happened mm-hmm. in a non-earth Yes. far more porous context. 
Correct. Why do we have to come here to heal them? <laughs> why do we have to go? If it happens in a very porous, least dense place, why are we coming to the most dense place in order to heal them? Well, um, not uncoincidentally, I asked Divine Being a similar question. Not exactly. Oh, I'm honored that you had the same yeah. question. Oh, the same, really? And the answer was, um, uh, it didn't know how difficult it was going to be. Um, remember, we, remember, we 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 debunked the omnipotence and yeah. uh, omniscience. omniscience. Um, what what the answer was in context, of the best I can remember, is that um, once. Uh, a reality got unfolded to this dense universe we call the physical universe. Uh, um, once that happened and living souls that came out of divine being um, wound up in incarnating here, the three soul fears got unfolded uh, as specific smaller fractals of those three soul fears. The terror of being is the predominant soul fear that people are incarnating to heal here. but it's too big to feel all at once right so of it gets course. broken down uh -huh. absolutely it gets it gets downloaded um gradually so it's doably heal healable uh, 95 percent of the planet's travail is people working the first soul fear the terrors of being mm -hmm. a few the very small who search uh, who actively seek the terror of not being uh and the terror of non-being are far outnumbered. So uh, Identity offers um, a track for all three, but mostly for older souls who can handle um, a lot bigger contexts for behaviors. Uh, so than if someone were to, if you could snap your fingers and then cause someone to feel all of their fear of being, they'd all at once, they'd probably go irreparably mad, wouldn't they? Yeah, they, they'd short circuit, consciousness would be short circuited. It's just like diving uh, deeper. You know, you've got to acclimate yeah. each of the levels. Another good metaphor. Or for climbing that. a mountain, same thing. Or climbing sure. a mountain, yeah. same. Even though there are those who climb Everest without oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk about overcompensators. Huh? <laughs> That's a whole other rabbit hole. I know. I know you and Bree have been watching that Everest show that uh, I recommended just to see the yeah. astounding motivations and things that people say and the projections onto wanting to conquer the mountain as if it's fighting with them. I found it amazing. Oh, I, I found it amazingly uh, uh, in, in, uh, astounded at that grown people were offering incense and gifts to the mountain uh, so it would allow them to. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, and and to, and to talk about banal, um, the some of the personality constructs of these people who and what they go through when they hit the wall climbing. You know, yeah. It's, I, I rest my case. Uh, teenagers, they're all teenagers who got older. They're all serving self images, not yeah. the self. The vast majority of people, even attained people, are serving self images, not their actual soulful self. Mm -hmm. So it's a real mess. And um, it's embarrassing to be able to see all this because we're all ch children of God and that you and I might discern the immaturity. The discernment doesn't become a judgment till we withdraw love and empathy for the people. Yeah. We can't help discern what we see. That, see. That's what was so interesting for me in my own experience watching, uh, I forget what it's called. It's like an Everest reality thing on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix. And um, it just kept hitting me like I could see through the motives of these people and how unhealthy what they were doing was for them. But at the same time, a total respect for they need to do this. I, like yes. Yes, they need to right. do what they need to do. 
Absolutely. And right. it's crazy and it's not helping them, but they also right. need to do it. It's a weird yeah. and that was just kept me watching it. Uh, a good 40 to 50% of our decisions uh, in, in the incarnative ladder are meant to show us dead ends. Yeah. And we've got to hit those dead ends before we can, the next set of lifetimes, break through those dead ends. So um, that's why whatever, whoever dead ends in thinking like the guy, the billionaire uh, who throws a hissy fit because he can't control traffic like every other aspect of his life. Uh, <laughs> like every other like this guy, uh, I guarantee his relationships are in the toilet, whoever he is, um, yeah. no matter how, uh, what the public picture is of that, uh, of that relationship. So um, the point here being that um, uh, in terms, let's, let's, let's uh, shift downshift again to karma, which we just got a little oh, bit yeah. off. But I want to say a couple more things. Um, one of the most important additions or changes that identity offers the planet in terms of karma is that what appears to be um, future life uh, penances that we pay for our sins, quote unquote, or our inhumanities to each other um, is only the surface dimension of it. Um, does a person who sexually abuses a child um, have to one day be a child? Um, to um, understand and, and incorporate on their healing path what it felt like, the impact of being invaded at such a young age? Yes, of course. But that's not, that's not the whole story. Uh, um, what, ha what has to happen here is that that perpetrator gets its first taste of atonement by becoming the abused, okay? Mm -hmm. But then that's in, ser that, that's in service of that, becoming the abuse is in service the beginning of atonement. But what has to happen next after that? Not, is, not as a punishment, but so they can have the experience. So they can have the experience, not a punishment. And, and, and secondly, that's in service and on the way to finally forgiving themselves mm -hmm. for their perpetration in the first place. So the end game of karma is self-forgiveness, not punishment. And since we can't reincarnate as a roach, a cockroach. Uh, as if that would be so bad. Yes, as if that would be so bad. <laughs> Did you notice though in this in the news uh, they just they just successfully implanted human brain neurons into mice? Yeah, I read the story the about the the brain cells in the petri dish that were able to play yes. the 70s video game Pong, which I thought was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and uh, they're going how can even stem cell induced uh, uh, neurons in a petri dish have that kind of power? Well, then, again, everything's in sold. Everything is in sold from inorganic to organic. And, uh, and it's the soul context that is, is the origin of consciousness, uh, not, uh, not brain cells. Brain cells in the human uh, nervous system <clears throat> mediate our soulful, previously already existent uh, consciousness. It mediates it here. It doesn't create it. Like we said last time, um, that's why I wanted to say a little more about consciousness too, which might go to a mm -hmm. part three on this yeah. also. But karma is, is um, uh, you think you avoid karma. And here's where religions came in, even though they don't have karma in their picture. Uh, Christianity is especially do unto others as you would have others do unto you, right? That supposedly, if you follow that, you'll get into heaven. But it's not a bad application also to reduce your karma if you have an Eastern point of view, mm -hmm. right? 
But um, I have seen, believe it or not, even though it's the exact opposite, I have heard people um, say that do unto others as you would have others do unto you is the same thing as I get to do to you what you did to me. Oh, and dear. I, and I, when oh, it's dear. exactly the opposite. Uh, I've seen people justify that to, uh, to, for the eye, eye, you know, um, uh, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth until we all go blind and have no teeth left. Right. Mm. Um, so do unto others as you would have others do unto you is, um, is fine. Uh, a, a reasonable, when interpreted correctly is a reasonable way that you could say karma works. If the less, the more you do of do unto others, blah, 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 the less negative karma you'll accrue. It's great bumper sticker metaphysics. It is bumper sticker because identity uh, uh, says, well, this folks, this again, this is ankle deep sophistication in terms of consciousness because do unto others is all based in behavior. Behavior, not motive, not intention. Mm -hmm. And so uh, um, it's, it's, it's good for kids, uh, for young souls and, and some teenage souls who want to be good people. But uh, identity offers that because we're emotive beings first, um, not physical beings uh, or energetic beings uh, first, uh, that that do ch changing behaviors um, is not the key to healing your soul. Uh, what the 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 karmic rule or principle in identity's point of view is, as you unconsciously sow so shall you consciously reap. In other words, we all have deeply wounded um, uh, 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 motives that are unconscious to us that drive our intentions, actions, and outcomes. The motives are largely um, uh, unconscious to us. And uh, Mother Teresa, um, for example, uh, intention to serve the, the poor, which was lauded and will be lauded for centuries to come, forgets about the motive that she was an employee of Vatican Inc. Mm -hmm. And Vatican Inc. requires its employees to have low self-esteem. <laughs> oh, wow. You can't join unless, unless you have unconscious or semi-conscious low self-esteem, which it repackages, repackages as humility. Um, mm. and, and, and then rewards you for it. And then reward you get to have oh, oh, my God. Poor Al, uh, I think her first name, no, that was, um, uh, no, yeah, Alice, I think, was it Alice? I forget her, for her what her real name was. At any rate, Sounds right. uh, as an employee of Vatican Inc., she had horrific self-unworth because she abides by a religion that says you were all originally sinned, which means you're not worthy as you are born. You can only become worthy if you earn worthiness. And her unconscious motives, um, after she died, I had a short conversation with her, um, and uh, and she was starting to realize that um, all of her service to the poor was just so she could get into heaven. Mm -hmm. All that was unconscious to her. Bless her heart. And she was not 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 seven eight weeks after her death did I get that download with her. Well, you know, she was realizing it. There's a whole other rabbit hole here that just hit me. You know, I was thinking about uh, like university ethics classes where they talk about, you know, like that classic example of there's a train running down a track and you have the hand on the switch and it can kill these 20 people or these this one person who you love. You know, what do you do or whatever the thing is. And those ethical dilemmas are always framed at the basis of behavior. What would you do? Yes. 
Exactly. Not what is your motive. Or not why you would do it. Why you would do it. Right? Why you would do it, right? All, mm -hmm. all of the grown-ups, uh, not that many on the planet, always look for why they do what they do, mm -hmm. not whether what they do is good or not. Uh, that's all teenage uh, stuff, childlike and teenage stuff. So um, in that sense, think delve one more uh, around the circle here with this. As you unconsciously sow, so shall you consciously reap. Meaning, if you don't attend to your unconscious, which we've not had good dharmas to access, you're going to consciously reap the downsides and the upsides of your unconscious motives. That's the driver of karma. Uh, it's because we have to get more aware of our, of our soulful expanse, which includes the unconscious. What's unconscious to us, what we were conditioned to. The unhealthy motive or the wound-based motive of, of, um, of Mother Teresa about uh, only wine serving the poor, meaning the poor were an X factor as a means for her to get to heaven. That was an unconscious motive of her, which is classic for someone who's told they're unworthy from birth, right? Mm -hmm. The Catholic, the Catholic Church in this case breeds unconscious motive woundings of unworth. It's their stock and trade. They require it, so later on they can control uh, uh, the 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 um, the uh, not the electorate, <laughs> the uh, chosen those who choose in Catholicism. Yeah, and that's just one religion. I'm not picking it out on purpose, just because I know a lot about it, having been reared in it, mm -hmm. um, rear-ended rear in it as a better <laughs> way. Oh, wow! Right. So, in other words, if it's as you unconsciously sow, so shall you later in the lifetime or in future lifetimes reap. In I your self-interest to learn about yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, I unconsciously sow, sow, um, sowed um, uh, uh, a narcissistic socio sociopathic orientation to my truths and made people pay if they didn't agree with it, um, not because... They were bad because to a part of me, they were ignoring um, their own soul call by rejecting my advice or my guidance or whatever. Now, this is narcissism, narcissism and sociopathy uh, in, 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 uh, in spades. And I have an upcoming, I'm trying to um, get a, a talk going at the Unity local Unity Church of Confessions of an Ex-Guru. Mm. Where there's a lot of interest in what's what's going on with these enlightened gurus and why do they always uh, why why do they fall from grace and mm. I have a whole lot to say personally yeah. about that but the point is as I unconsciously sowed those wound based motivations uh, in how I related to the truths of the paradigm I had to consciously reap and I and that conscious reap, reaping was the collapse of the nonprofit that, of, that governed the school that I that I had founded. Um, and, and, I, and I've been through a, a, a terrible, uh, uh, difficult seven years of, uh, of, of learning what the hell happened. So there's karma right there applied to me. And it applies to all uh, leaders uh, or heads of family or whatever, uh, every human being that to, to one day have to learn about their unconscious motives that drive their conscious intentions which then drive their actions and outcomes. So our soul consciousness is so wide, it includes the unconscious. And that's not something that's often un hardly ever understood in consciousness research. 
uh, wait a second, what's the what's the underlying motive for what you're so proud of intending? Um, and you know, as a society, I think about you know the the um, revelations of a, of a guru is just one example of so many things that happen in our society. Most uh, we talked about that councilwoman in California whose yes. immature behavior surfaced. I think of uh, Louis C.K., of one yes. of my favorite comedians who just got dragged through miles of broken glass and barbed wire for his indiscretions. And right. what what pains me is like this is what's going on for everyone, but there's no societal structure to actually help people with it. They yes. either have to deny it or right. be underwater with shame about it, lose money, stop people get people boycott their obvious talent, which doesn't really help anything. They resign from their position at whatever right. oil company. It doesn't work, you know, it's not helping anything. I mean, in some ways, of course, there needs to be some a uh, painful thing yes. to underline the underlie the situation but uh yeah without help, that really. well without that negative they they can't experience the dead end yeah okay so, so something they, has to happen but something some sort of uh, sequela uh you can't just let these kinds of things go as as you're saying here but um what's the degree is a, is is the right right question to ask uh, yeah. louis uh, is back uh, on the circuit or is trying to be uh, back on the circuit um, after being canceled but the whole cancel culture which we had an earlier podcast yeah. on you know there's always a reason but identity offers wait wait hold stop the presses how about we just let everybody do with exactly what they want to do um and so as to expose their dark motives. Um, don't don't cancel someone says uh, like uh, uh, Yi now. I guess we have to call him Yi with this this tirade. Kanye West. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I mean, of course. I mean, to marry a Kardashian in the first place is a question for sanity. It raises raises some right? questions. Right. Yes. right. But this is his anti-Jewish uh, tirade. Um, mm. Uh, they want to cancel. They cancel this TikTok or whatever quaint uh -huh. tweety thing he's on in these days. Um, they've canceled it. But wait, um, what? Let him keep going and expose all the aspects of his, um, let's say, uh, deranged consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, and l let's let everyone see it. If you cancel it too soon, you make a martyr out of them, and then yes. you get a following of a martyr, which um, may be happening with Trump as we speak. Uh, Exactly right. So mm -hmm. this is why whatever the January 6th um, uh, uh, um, uh, tribunal um, yeah, uh, it was just uncovers, yeah, it's all real good stuff. And what's he's got to pay somehow or else future ones will do exactly this. Future presidents will do exactly that. There has to be precedents made. There has to be some legal redress, right? Mm. Yet to cancel his social media. Uh, wait, let the guy hang himself by his obvious delusions. Let yeah, him free speak. It's you a kind see? of playing God. It's like we, it's like not trusting karma, which is an aspect of the intelligent design, capital I, capital D, which right. will work it work its way out between choose the person, Trump, and life itself. Right. right. Rather than <laughs> trusting that, we That's feel it. like yeah. we've got to play God and go in there and interfere, as because otherwise there won't be justice. Exactly. If we let the dark side unroll, we're at choice whether to give it um, our personal venue or not. Mm -hmm. I, I I laugh at Kenya. I mean, I can't even. I cry about Trump and, uh, most of the time because 
he is a child of God, but this guy is a failed experiment of a human being um, in so many ways. But my heart goes to him. Look at the father he had. Yeah. At any rate, let, let them rant and rave their lunacy. Um, oh, we have to stop it because uh, MAGA people will create violence then. Well, then we deal with that violence. Um, mm-hmm. it, you can't you can't counter cancel called a, a, a cancel culture has to be counter canceled in a bigger picture where it's the degree not of cutting them off, but of letting them continue to expose their bull so we can all go. And if more people will buy into their bull because they're not canceled, well, that's the way of things. Yeah, that's the way of things. So. It's a becomes a not a red or a blue issue. It's a mixture of the two because there's there's red distortions and there's blue distortions. The only difference is the blues at least um, try to do the right thing according to a moral stricture that the reds don't have but think they have with their Christian nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they're both messed up on both sides. Uh, uh, the uh, was uh, the elephant and the and the donkey are are kicking each other to death, and our democracy is suffering. But that's another whole story. But the karma here does apply. Uh, uh, Whatever unconscious wound drove Louis C.K. or Kanye with White Lives Matter now, uh, Mm -hmm. um, uh, um, but Jews don't, uh, even though they're somewhere not dark skin. White adjacent, depends on who you ask. (laughs) Exactly right. I mean, give me a break. Um, uh, if 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 we don't let their garbage start to smell by letting them drown in their own misconceptions uh, as a world, uh, as you say, we're playing God and we're actually, we think we're doing good, but we're actually putting off the collapse. We're, we're, we're putting off the collapse because you've got people who are so young in soul that they back these delusionists. They yeah. back these people who've got dark motives and or, or literally modal mental um, uh, problems, really big ones. So, it makes me think of uh, the thing from a couple of years ago. The uh, I think it was in Boston, the bakery that wouldn't make a wedding cake for oh, two yes. men, right? And yeah. brought up all this controversy about what the role of government is. And I believe the libertarian perspective yeah. on that is like, let them do the commerce, and if it word gets around that this bakery doesn't serve gay people, then they'll hang themselves with that rope, you know, and let exactly. let that just happen. Well, again, we now look what we're talking about here, Joseph. Um, uh, uh, we want to save Jews from feeling um, criticized by Kanye's um, uh, remarks. Wait, that's their business. That's their business to mm-hmm. digest, not ours to babysit. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a Jewish person is offended by what Kanye says, they need psychotherapy stat. Um, <laughs> who cares what a crazy person, no matter how talented musically, who cares what they think about you? Why would you care whether or not Kanye criticized you or not yeah. so who are we to play you say play god or i would say play babysitter yeah play parent like it's become a world now where oh we have to we have to watch out we can't offend anyone everyone is so oh if you if you offend my my feelings i'm going to sue you right I mean, this is insanity squared cubed and squared again um it's, uh, that we are so what we're so thin-skinned now, we can't take insults. Mm. That's mean, the trigger warning culture we talked about before. But at the same exactly. time, the, there's a context for that. That is the emergence of it, uh, individual feelings being important. Yes, it's just taken too far. 
Exactly right. Thanks for that was my next statement altogether. Mm. Just because um, we're over coddling our poor injured feelings mm-hmm. on the one side. Now on the other side, thank God we're finally having a conversation about impact. Yeah. Uh, but not suability is the answer. Uh, uh, it's why did that, uh, like um, like uh, an, an Edenist will say, um, why did that hurt me so much? And then figures out there's a wound in them that was hurt by some bozo like Kanye. Uh, talking and that's a really cool rabbit hole right there is feeling the impact that an other has on you yes all the way without playing victim yes super easy thing to say that's something i'm working on myself right now you bet um and i this is what a piece of that i've been working myself the last seven years too uh so you you just you have to take it all the way down without being a victim uh, and then you know that if you had earlier in the process demanded a canceling of that person who hurt you, you realize all you were doing was reacting to what your daddy did to you or your mm-hmm. mommy or your mm-hmm. or the or the or the pedophiliac in the Catholic Church. Um, so well, mm-hmm. let's look at everything as a trigger instead of a cause. And then we're going to be soulfully investigative as to why we have our big reactions, right? So I don't think, did you get to a couple other of the questions that you had? Uh, we got to almost all of them. So yeah? I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't add any more. I think this might be a good place to close unless you have something else. Well, let's just, let's just revisit another uh, short, a short revisit here. And then I think we can close. Um, identities, three dharmas, uh, which address the, 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 um, the terror of being, the terror of not being, and the terror of non-being. Um, these, these were created at our birth of soul way, way back in the day, way before this planet ever got civilized, um, uncivilized by uh, self-aware consciousness. Uh, identity's whole dharmic system is about transmuting our conditioned fate into our heart-based destiny. So let's just unpack that for a moment. All of our woundings, all of our challenges that play out um, uh, in in our lifetimes, those are all conditioned into us artificially, secondarily, by the fact that we chose a family who will abuse us or neglect us or a culture that will enslave us or liberate us or or working for a boss who um, requires sexual favors to get a raise, mm-hmm. all those we chose to get triggered by. And most of the time we're, or that's all, almost all the time we're conditioned into those triggers. We're conditioned into them. So that's a fate. We're fated to be conditioned into our present version of ourselves, unless we do something different. Everyone by default is living their conditioned fate unless they start to go beyond our conscious intentions into their unconscious motives where all the wounds lie, 90% of the wounds lie. Uh, They peek up in some of the intentions and actions and outcomes, of course. But in the end, uh, identity wants to help your conditioned fate turn into your your heart-based destiny because whatever it is you set up to heal this life, in this lifetime, because of the amazingly, glitteringly beautiful and difficult uh, 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 
uh, modem of reincarnation, um, we get to have a choice to heal. And identity gives us so far than any other paradigm in my experience anyway, a wider place to find our individual unconscious motives to heal, a more space to heal than previous uh, uh, paradigms, either psych uh, psychological or spiritual. Mm. Um, so to turn our, our conditioned fate into our, our heart-based destiny is to fulfill the incarnative imperative that we set up our lives, our A destiny. Here are these four things that primarily I want to achieve this, attain this life. Um, and uh, here are the two things that if I can get, it would be good for me to get or, or not get, depends on, uh, on uh, whatever the dynamic is. So my incarnational imperative was to uh, bring uh, specifically uh, my, my very familiar spiritual life uh, consciousness and translate it into the human in a way that I never have in other, in other um, uh, lifetimes. And that collapse that happened of my non, of the nine prof, the nine nonprofit, which um, has another whole interesting context for it, um, was the only way that uh, I would wake up to what I hadn't done in my personal domain. So um, it was the best and the worst thing that ever happened to me. In that sense, if you're on a spiritual track, things will happen to you over and over again until you get it. If you're on a conscious spiritual track. Divine Being never gives up on us. I had three other um, minor um, ruptures with uh, smaller, um, less conscious folks than there were in the last time. Uh, um, and, and those were all warm-ups. Finally, it had to be done with some really uh, powerful people, good people. And I had to be dethroned. My, my, my wound-based shadow had to be dethroned. And thank God it did, because I have a chance now to um, fulfill my um, main incarnational imperative, and that is to, instead of just living on will and wisdom, I'm living on I'm I'm living primarily from love and compassion in my secondary relationship to will and wisdom. So in those ways, um, an informed human life, uh, uh, we need help with it. I needed help more than anyone, or as much as anyone, if not more. So reincarnation. I'm sorry, I just want to grab this. There's a good clue in there for our listeners. If you find yourself continuing to run into the same negative situation over a number right. of years, it's probably an incarnational imperative knocking at your door. I think exactly. anyone over 30 or 40 could relate to that. Yeah, I took it took me three knocks on the door before the door was kicked in on me. Because uh, mm -hmm. I, I was not emotionally equipped to deal with it in earlier, um, earlier in my life. And so... Um, in that sense, uh, I would urge uh, um, those who are skeptics about reincarnation, um, investigate it, ask us the tough questions, come to the next seminar or call in on a, on a, on a podcast or something like Clubhouse, which we do now. Mm -hmm. uh, one day soon, we'll have a call-in uh, situation here with Joseph and I. I'll and take requests. Anybody wants to be live on a podcast? Uh, yeah, ask just questions. Just absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, be grateful that reincarnation is a fact, even if you, if you deny it right now, because even if you deny it, it gives you the freedom to deny it. Yeah. So, oh, one last thing. Mm -hmm. Last thing I promise. Okay. Why do, why do we forget our past lives? Ah, yes. Good question. Really important. Really quickly, 
because if we were in touch with the hundreds of lives we had before, we'd never have a focus enough to get the job done in this life. Um, every life, it's a perfect example of, the, of how now and eternity are equivalent. The now and eternity. Eternity is experienced now and now and now and now. It's not endless time. It's now and then now and now and now. And now there's no time. It's bup, bup, bup. it's segmented that way into nows. Same principle here. Um, unless we were, we mainly forgot what our incarnational imperative was, what was life before we were born, um, we would not give it the necessary focus to make now this life the priority. Only by, by bracketing it, this is my only life, are we going to get down to business and unconsciously fulfill our incarnational imperative? Yeah, I mean, not to mention just a practical, like it's hard enough keeping your head around one life, much less if you remembered even two or three as, yeah, as well, exactly. it'd be just overwhelming. Yeah. And so in that sense, um, we have we have to forget, but that's not a hard and fast rule. You can learn how to remember if you um, if you put your heart and soul to it, not your mind. Your mind will never teach you how to gain third eye access. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, if you want to learn how to cultivate that identity has a track for you on that also. Mm -hmm. So and that's why the first question most basic people play, why don't we, if what you're saying is true, why don't we remember? Well, yep. you're conditioned not to remember for some good reasons, but you can decondition from that too, if you like. That's if you answer. like, you may not like what you remember. No, <laughs> no. that's for sure. Yeah. When a couple of my past lives got exposed, uh, I was so embarrassed uh, to, 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 to realize that that I, I, that soul of me did that, that part of me, that earlier version of me did those things. It's crazy making to me. Uh, and to learn self-forgiveness for that has been really tough. Mm. So, Well, on that right. sober note, thank yes. you, Stace. Uh, I don't know where we're going next, but maybe more to say on this subject, but this was a really rich conversation. Very grateful for it. You betcha. And, You're uh, welcome, and thank you for the opportunity. You're so welcome. Thank you, Stace. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, we wish you well on your journey. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.